So I went outside, I closed the door, and I took like four steps into the yard, and I see this thing just running at me, and I'm going, oh, shit. And I look, kind of looked at the door, but the door's too far away to turn and run to it. And he's full speed running at me, and I just stopped, and I just, I went somewhere like that, and he's like jumping at me, barking at my face. I just stood there. I was very calm, fully still, sweating like intensely, so my adrenaline was peaking, but I was super relaxed. And I just stood there. So I didn't look like a threat, didn't look at him. He was barking, 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 which felt like five minutes. It was probably in like 45 seconds or something. He yeah. stopped. I reached for my bag. I just started dropping heaps of food on the floor. He started eating. Then I started moving. And then he started going, oh, right, hold on. He didn't react. Yeah. I think the dog was just scared and, and, and unsocialized. That's why he's been very, you know, reactive and aggressive to people. Um, but in that moment, it was only a couple of days later, I thought, that's how meditation helped me in that particular situation was that I didn't become very flinchy mm. and then trying to run because that's what get people bitten. Um, and if I'm scared, then if I'm scared, I'm more likely to fight. And if an animal sees you scared, you're potentially a threat and prey. Mm. So it's either they're going to prey drive and want to just chase you down or they're feeling defensive and they're thinking, you're moving too erratic, you're scared, you're probably going to hurt me, I'm going to bite you first. So, so because I was very calm and in my body and I was... In, and I was actually more aware of what was happening around me rather than letting fear take over. Um, that's why people should meditate. That's why people should be in tune with themselves. Welcome to Life With Your Dog podcast. Our focus is educating dog owners, enthusiasts and dog trainers about ideas on how to train, manage, live and thrive with our dogs. To teach dogs to live in our society while our dogs teach us how to live in the now. I'm your host, Panos Anagnostu. And I'm your co-host, Luke Badman. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy the show. Okay, so our guest this week was the incredible Panos of Nooch's Pooches. So, how did you originally meet Panos, Ma? The dog whisperer. Yes, he's the dog whisperer. So, Chloe, our beautiful little rescue dog, was... A nightmare. A nightmare. <laughs> uh, experiencing some pretty difficult behaviours. Yeah. And I was ready to send her back. Yes. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't really do that, yeah. but yeah, I was uh, I was tempted. And you found Panos online on Facebook, right? Yeah. Someone had posted how amazing he was and we'd had a few dog whisper fails that had come and gone and basically taken our money and mm, and, and kind of runner. Yeah, I just didn't didn't have the desired effect or, you know, the connection. So I just read all these then I went in and read all these amazing reviews and I went, I have to have this guy. We have to we have to see if if he's as good as they're saying and he was and more. Mm. He's and he's just lovely. I think the thing I got the most out of our chat with Panos is he's so much more than just the dog, the dog trainer, well, so much more, and that's why he's such an amazing dog that's trainer right. because that's, that's not his entire no, world. No, he's no, no, no. into so many different things, yeah. and you know, we talk about things like, you know, um, spirituality, yeah, Native Indian mm. shamanic stuff, yes. sweat lodges, yes. um, you know, re- you know, going up and meditating on the mountains and that kind of thing, and which is w- one of the reasons that I connected with him originally mm. because when we went on our walks with Chloe, we started to talk about that, yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, but you know, down the you know down to the crux of it, he is an incredible dog trainer because of all those other reasons, and he's just so passionate. He came into, uh, or dogs came into his world, 
out of something that was originally negative. You know, he had a very um, serious, um, he was assaulted when he was younger um, in high school and he almost died and then dogs came into his life and the rest is history. Yeah, it's like the rescuer becomes the rescued. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. Uh, It was a great chat and I hope you guys enjoy it. Welcome, Panos. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you so for having much me. for giving Appreciate up your it. valuable time, especially on the weekend. Yeah, That's right. and we've, we've got little uh, spades here as well with us. Thanks, spades. The number one boss. Yeah. That's right. So, Panos, uh, you are an amazing dog trainer. You, Mum, you met Panos for Kai. Why don't you tell us about that? Okay, so I saw a post on Facebook. We had had a couple of... False starts with dog trainers. Um, Chloe, our little rescue dog, came to us and as beautiful as she is, I fell in love with my eye. She had major issues, major anxiety issues and attachment issues, just issues, full stop. So we did have a couple of others and that was just false starts, as I said. So this day I saw Panos's post. I think someone was recommending you and I went, I'm going to get this guy. So I looked at a couple of comments there and I just said to Mark, um, my husband, we're going to get Panos. He went, yeah, yeah, whatever. He need, she <laughs> needs help. And the the catalyst was that uh, she was getting really super possessive of me, as in she when she was allowed on the bed, mm. she just decided when she was going on and when she was going off. And um, Mark's she a shift worker, yeah, and yeah. He, he would come in and she wouldn't let him get into bed. And it was just there was so much wrong about that. So that was when we contacted Panos. And you changed our lives. Awesome. Yeah. Happy to help. Oh, <laughs> she's so much happier and better and, you know, happy dog, happy wife, happy life. That's right. <laughs> it's a good one. I think the reason that I really wanted to have you on the podcast specifically is I want to talk about the healing power of dogs and specifically not not only just in the work that you do for others, but- you know, I was like I said, I was listening to you on um, that other podcast, and I mean, I think the truth of it is that dogs really saved your life as well. Yeah, big time back back in the day. Yeah, are you, are you happy to tell us a bit about that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, when I was seventeen, I was just finishing school. I ended up getting, I got jumped, I got stabbed in the kidney, um, and that brought up a lot of trauma <laughs> mentally, yeah. physically, right? And um, you know, so. A couple of weeks later, I finished HSE. I ended up working full time and I went overseas with a friend for like, you know, as my schoolie sort of time away, which was good. It was beautiful. Had my experience to be with others. I did a 45 day Kentucky tour. So I got to meet heaps of new people and ways of life, things that I was exposed to, things that I just wouldn't normally be exposed to. And then I came back home mm. and my parents bought me a dog. His name was Rocky. He's a Kelpie. And, um, wow, that dog was just amazing. And I never had a dog before. And the dog was supposed to be mine. Yeah. And the first day I came back straight away, I went for a walk with him and we interacted. I was, it was a bit awkward because I just got off a plane and I was like, Oh my God, I've got this dog. And I, and I, they told me that I had the dog. So it wasn't a full surprise. Yeah. But, um, but I didn't know what to expect. And yeah, that dog just got me out of a lot of bad habits, you know, and I started exercising more. I started wanting to hang out with him. He came out and hung out with the boys with me. It was really cool. And, um, there was things that were happening. Like I would be sleeping dreaming of him, wake up, and he would be like on my bed staring at me. Like it was really special, right? And it started getting me more in touch with 
a part of myself that I probably generally wouldn't be. Mm. And, um, and yeah, like there were so many cool things that were happening in my life around him. And anyway, he was a year and a half old. He got diagnosed with leukemia. And then we had to, you know, a few weeks later, we had to put him down because he was basically dead. And I was like, well, brought up a whole lot of other issues, right? And I was probably more upset when he was dying than when yeah. I was thought I was going to die. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, and I think there was a special thing. Um, like we can put, I can show you a photo when there was, um, my dad was taking a photo of the sunset. This is a couple of weeks before he was diagnosed. And, um, oh, I was just there. So basically my dad was taking a photo of the sunset and, he wasn't trying to take a photo of the dog, but the dog just ended up being right in, under the sunbeam. Right in, wow. in the sunbeam there. So wow. um It's beautiful. Yeah. Put that up. Yeah, and it was even though it's just a photo, right? But everything has meaning. And my parents put that up on a canvas and they gave it to me as 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 a present. And one night I was still kind of, you know, upset that he was dead, right? And I was Especially bit, only after 18 months. Of like course, he's, he's 18 a baby, months. Like, I was going through all of this trauma. I was like, and yeah. that brought up its own issues, you know, like I would have like intense nightmares and waking up from the nightmare into another nightmare, into another nightmare. Like I'd wake up having to flip my mattress f- full of sweat. I wouldn't walk outside at nighttime in the dark because, you know, obviously thought yeah. I would be attacked. Even going to the bathroom was a mission, you know. Mm. Because, so much fear. Yeah, post-traumatic stress. No one diagnosed yeah. that with me, but I. Wow. But that's what was happening. Yeah. Right. And, um, and this dog just kind of gave me that, you know, they give us a sense of protection, but also they give you a sense of, of self outside of our mind, outside of our ego. And, um, I'm looking at that photo and I was just analyzing it saying that, well, first of all, he, I believe that he was meant to be and to come into my life, even for that short amount of time, because it was to start me on a new journey. It was part of my calling. And, um, you know, and he came from source. He was a part of me. I believe he was a part of me from the other side. Yes. Just to remind me about something that, Maybe I chose not to be reminded of, or maybe mm-hmm. it was something that it was just meant to be perfectly timed. And, um, and yeah, and he, and he knew he was going before all of us knew. That's how I kind of see it, especially from the photo. And, um, it was, it was really special. Um, and I was starting building at the time and I was a groundsman at Randwick Grace Course. Yeah. So, um, and then there was just some, there was a moment I was speaking to one of the boys there. And I'm like, I just want to work with animals. Like, I just want, I don't know. My, my first idea was let's work with big cats because they're pretty cool, <laughs> but there's not much opportunity for that. No, it's yeah. not, not a great right deal. Not yeah. much. So, yeah. um, and I'm, and I wanted to make the decision to like, cause I wasn't really passionate about building. I knew I probably would have been good at it, mm. would have made me some money, but yeah. I just felt that I needed to do something different. It's not all about money, is it? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I, um, and, he, and my friend was like, man, that is so you. And he kind of encouraged me. Even though I don't think he was trying to, I think we were just in general conversation, but I seen it and I thought, well, how do I tell my parents about this? Cause they're going to probably mm. freak out. Maybe. Well, that's what I thought. Yeah. And I'm like, how do I like bring this up to him? And I remember I was sitting at dinner one day and we'll, and the zoo, I was like an episode of the zoo came on and mum was like, what do you like? How's TAFE going? Blah, blah. And I really hate it. 11 hour TAFE day. That's pretty mm. full on. Right. And, um, and I'm like, Oh, I just don't really want to do it. I don't feel happy, whatever. And she goes, well, what do you want to do? And I just pointed the TV. I'm like, I, I just want to work with animals like that. And then it was just, my dad just looked at me and he just goes, well, just do it. It was like, it was cool. I just thought it was going to be more of a drama, <laughs> but they're very supportive of me. And yeah. they've always have been supportive of me. They've very, they've laid a good foundation in my life, but they've been pretty firm on me as well. So, you know, we all, we always want our parents approval. Most people do. And since I got that, it was almost like the Rocky music came on. <laughs> I was like, well, let's do it. So I have the tiger. That's exactly. So I, um, 
I quit TAFE. I stopped working at, at the, um, at the race course and I just basically volunteered at the shelter. I just went there and started walking dogs and cleaning kennels. And the girl there, um, Tiffany was still good friends. She goes, Hey, you know, there's no one working on Sunday. I need a hand. Do you want to work? So I'm like, yeah, hundred percent. So, you know, I started working there. Eventually I started working there full time. And from the full time gig there, I, I thought, oh, what am I going to do? So I was, you know, studying TAFE, um, animal studies. And, um, and I thought, well, I could go into captive animals, which means that I have to get one day a week working in a zoo. And where do I do that? And I thought it was a bit of a drama. And then there was people saying, like, I remember when I was walking Rocky one day, this is when I didn't even know a dog trainer. I didn't even know that job existed, but someone came up to me out of nowhere and goes, man, like your dog's so good. You should be a dog trainer. I'm like, oh yeah. Like, okay. And you were like, so what, 18 at the time? Yeah, I was, yeah. yeah, just 18. So I thought, what? A dog trainer, I'm like, okay, I just kind of blew it off. I just continued. That's a messenger. That was a mm. <laughs> She came out of nowhere, said that, and, and, and disappeared. And then disappeared. And you exactly. look and she's gone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Messenger. And, um, and yeah, and then people at the shelter were saying, oh my God, like, how's that dog doing that? When I walk and I thought, oh, maybe there's something in this, right? So I started, I looked into researching a couple of different dog training and, um, like, um, courses or whatever. And one of the guys at work, this is go down to, Southern Shire, there's like a dog club there and I started doing agility with Ace. So Ace is my new dog that I adopted before I worked at the Sydney Dogs and Cats home. I adopted him and he became a new dog. And so I started doing some stuff with her and Margaret there, she's awesome. And she gave me a couple of tips and she was starting to help me train the dog. And she told me that I have to do this, this course was called the NDTF, National Dog Trainers Federation. So I started doing that. It was an eight month course. It was correspondence. You do um, eight day blocks practical courses and then from there basically i um i did work with them for a little bit so i left the shelter i worked at um at the kennels there but an hour and a half driving every day like i loved working there awesome where's team. that um it's pet resorts australia so out of dural oh yeah so an hour and a half it's a decent drive little, yeah, yeah. peak hour way. traffic yeah. crossing sydney every day it was Whoa. it was tiring i was 21 i thought yeah. i'd come home wanting to sleep and that's yeah. not me normally because i'm a very high energy guy yeah so unfortunately, I left. I went back to the shelter, and I made some business cards. And I thought I'm just going to flaunt these out to everyone that comes in. I just, you know, and it wasn't a conflict of interest with the shelter. If anything, it was kind of well, benefiting them, right? Yeah, yeah. Complimenting them. Absolutely. So I did that, and I worked at a couple of different places as well, just trying to get more experience. And I ended up leaving the shelter. The moment, the day I left the shelter, everyone, like people just started calling. So I wow. ended up sort of filling my time up with with training clients, and and then that was 2011. And, um, and my main reason for getting into dog training, like in hindsight, it's better to see it now. Obviously I needed a job, but my main thing was I seen how much a dog helped me and transform mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually in so many ways. And I thought, well, dogs have this potential and this capacity to do that for us. Mm. How do I like not just spread the message, but help people understand that? Because we have dogs to complement our lives, not to complicate our lives. Yeah. And if they're complicating it, then they're not really healing our life. They're kind of filling our time up with frustration. So if I can tell people and teach people how to fulfill their dogs mentally, physically, and stimulate them, giving them a job and, you know, working on specific training techniques so we can rehabilitate, you know, problem behaviors, you know, teach them basic commands and how to manage them, then there's an opportunity for healing and for for people to really absorb that, you know, and um, and there's so many lessons that dogs teach me and yeah. are teaching people all the time. Most people aren't really aware of it, 
But um, and I try not to go too deep with my clients because I just kind of we go off. You've only got like an hour, or that's so, right. So, yeah, but we can drop hints here and there, and but it's really up to them for them to experience it as well. And we all know why we have dogs. Like do you, do dogs. you find that people are open to that when you talk to them about it? Some people are more than others, I guess. Well, I've seen like over a thousand clients now, right. so now I'm starting to pick up people's psychology, and I can tell mm-hmm. who's more open. Obviously, when you're in their intimate space, you know what's happening in their house, so you can mm. you can kind of pick and choose who's at what level. Mm. Um, and I don't want like my main job is to work the dog yeah but obviously my main my biggest job is tra- teaching people how to train dogs well a dog is a, uh, and this came up in your other podcast as well a dog a dog is really a reflection of the yes, owner or a lot, right. they're reflecting a lot of their behaviors or, of or course, what underlying you know, issues or, yeah yeah like and you know we're all part of our environment so you know if we're allowing dogs to do things that we don't want them to do. We just need to be aware of what we're doing. Number one. Number two is then, well, what do we do? Mm. We have to teach people why we're doing it so then they actually do it. Um, and look, there's some people that are more open to it. Some people aren't so open to it, to the idea of the dogs teaching us stuff, but people are starting to get the point. I think it's in our, t- in our age as well, where we're becoming more aware of it. Like we had dogs in like traditionally for survival and for work, but now we have them purely as companions. So mm. we know that there is something in it for us when we have the dog. We wouldn't just have a dog if it was to mess up our house all the time, right? But, um, but yeah, I think people becoming more aware that, well, there's a joy. We come home and the dog's excited to yeah, see us, right? they're our family. For yeah. a lot of people that don't have yeah. family, they become their family. Exactly. Yeah. Or even when there is a family at home, everyone's talking about the dog and how yeah. cute it did that yeah. and look at that. And it's, yeah. It's the it, glue that binds – it can be gl- the glue that binds the, the family together. It could be as yeah. well, you know. And, and, yeah, they should be adding to our life. So my main reason why I, I got into training – like I am passionate about training and working with dogs, but I'm more passionate about having a well-behaved dog, making sure that we're doing the right thing, but also – through my journey of working with dogs, like stimulating a dog's mind and body, you know, giving them routine, giving them structure, I thought, why aren't I doing that for my life? Mm. Like that's weird that I tell I'm teaching everything about the dog. What's well, exactly and and since then I well, I've done a lot of healing for myself. Yeah, you know, and I've searched people that you know are there to help me as well, which is which is good. So it's given me that opportunity. But um, but yeah, we need to do that for us as well. Yeah. You know, it's really important. Like. Um, if you're going to exercise your body, well, then exercise your mind, you know, make sure that you're in a good routine, you've got structure, you're, uh, there's a few things that I wrote down that I wanted to just bring up things that dogs have taught me. So we can talk about that as well, which ties into all of this. Mm. But, um, but yeah, that's basically where I'm at at the moment. You know, I've had to focus more on the, when I first started, I was a little bit passionate and excited, which was still really good. But now I've learned to be not so intense, right. be a bit more subtle because, some people don't like intensity. They don't want people to tell them what to do. Yeah. I want people to then ask the question, then I can give the yeah. answer rather than telling people what they should do. And yeah. I think that's- If they're open to receive that information, right. that teaching. Yeah. Or even like if someone's struggling, I used to do it, people struggling, walking the dog up the street and I'll give them a card. And people tell me you should give that person a card. And I think now I'm more reluctant to do that because no one wants to be told that they need help. Yeah. yeah, like that just makes them so pissed off, right? Yeah. So um, so I'm, I want people that want to do the work, so then it like, makes me less frustrated. Yeah. yeah. And it actually gets the job done. And um, and if people are out there looking for answers, then they're more re- they're more open to receiving it, which is important. There's a saying: when the student is ready, the teacher appears. <laughs> That's right. That's hundred percent. And, and I, I totally um totally resonate with that. There's a couple of things actually. I'd may as well. 
So I listed a couple of them. Yeah. Please so do. Yeah. Dogs teach me to live in the moment, give me the opportunity to visit nature daily, structure and routine is a must, reward and acknowledge effort towards desired goals and outcomes rather than just waiting for the desirable outcome. You've got to give yourself reward and yeah. encouragement, right? Um, Which is a parallel. Mm, for to, sure. To children. 100%. Mm. Oh, yeah. Be aware of mental state, situational awareness, Know what's happening around you. Don't be so tunnel vision. Mm. Very important. Um, discipline in the way we interact with ourselves and our environment. And experiences really affect us. Dogs live shorter, so it's easier for us to see the results and experiences that affect them. But we live longer, so it takes time for it to creep up onto us. Like if a dog has a bad experience, we're going to see that in a few days or a week. Yeah. But with us, we have a bad experience. It may take some time to manifest. Oh, wow. Which is hard for us to then look back on it and then try to fix it quickly. And find where it came from. Exactly. The source. Yeah. yeah. So those are some things that I jotted down. I thought I'd share. No, I like that. No, I love it. Um, What do you think your calling has brought to your life, Panos? What do dogs teach you? Mm. Patience is number one. Mm-hmm. When I was young, a 18-year-old boy, mm. you know, didn't have much patience. Mm. Um, so when I was, even with Rocky, he was really well-behaved. My timing was awesome. My intensity was a little bit too in, too much. And that probably was a reflection of I wasn't patient enough to let things go. Um, and because, you know, we live in a fast-paced world, we want things yeah. instantaneously. So yeah. we, we're trying to rush things. And yeah. so patience is, is a really important one. Um being more compassionate, I think, you know, um, being because, f- you know, he can't tell me how he feels. So I need to see it through his body language and seeing it from his perspective. I guess being more empathic is, mm. is a way of seeing it. So, um, so being having that awareness, um, it kind of my, my journey of development, personal development, you know, whether you call it the spiritual journey or <laughs> whatever that means, um, that ties in with being with the dogs and and what the dogs have taught me. And yeah. since then, um, I think, you know, the situation that happened to me and getting attacked was probably the worst, but also the best thing that happened to mm. me because, you know, people change when they think they're going to die. Um, and I prayed pretty intensely that yeah. night when, when I was on the way to the it's hospital, right? Fully, isn't it? You know, pretty and, fully. um, yeah. but, um, I think, if that hadn't happened to you, you would probably wouldn't be where you are now. No, what you're doing, you wouldn't. You probably wouldn't be a dog trainer. You no. wouldn't be um, imparting all this knowledge on all these people. So for sure. So you that know, terrible moment again was. It was a catalyst for yeah. change. Yeah. It had to happen, and yeah. it was, you know, I, the way I explained it when in in that time of when it was happening, I felt a lot of darkness around me. Yeah. Um, but as we were just saying before, I think the microphone turned on. Is that you know you need those. What would you say? The devil came in the <laughs> angels come in devil's guise. Beautiful. So meaning that something good comes from something. You know, there's light and dark in everything. So, yeah, I believe that. And and I love. I try and use that. You know, when people push my buttons or something really bad has mm. happened or happening. Now I try and pause and I say, well, what lesson is there mm-hmm. in this? Where is this going to go? And it may not appear for ages. Yeah. But you'll look back and you go, ah. Oh, that's why. That it. And it's interesting It's interesting because you said, you know, in a dog's world it happens quite quickly, mm. but in our world it doesn't Yeah, because it's everything's relative to time and space. Exactly. Mm. Yeah, and I think also, like, you know, we only grow outside of our comfort zone. Absolutely. So we, we're only trying yeah. to seek for the most easiest thing yeah. and we have no struggle, whether we put the struggle on ourselves through discipline and hard work or it happens to us through in the environment or 
or, or, or from the universe, then, um, then we're forced to change or we're all, it's either we change and we grow or it takes over us and then we plummet and we go downwards and yeah. let's not go down. We want to try to ascend and go up and continue to grow. And, and there's many reasons why that could happen. If you haven't got a good foundation of learning and having good experiences and someone guiding you and helping you. And also you can't protect yourself from everything all the time. So, um, so that's also what dogs have, like even when Spades was six months old, he got attacked by a dog at the dog park. So I don't recommend dog parks generally. Yeah. Um, but when we were at the dog park, the dog came, attacked him. It was pretty full on for him. No physical scars, but mental for sure. Mm. So the next day we're out walking and he was like lunging at every dog trying yeah. to bite yeah. them through fear. Yeah. So we see it as all oh, the dogs being dominant or trying to be, you know, um, aggressive and trying to be the boss. He's just completely freaked He's out. terrified. Didn't know what yeah. to do. So then he goes into a fight, flight or freeze. And he chose fight because he was on a lead. And, um, and if you're on a lead, you have no fly path. So. Right. So then that forced me to go, well, I just did my course about learning about desensitization, counter conditioning and all these technical dog training terms. So what he was attacked as you were finishing your just training? Just when I finished. So, <laughs> again, another lesson, right? Yeah. And um, so I had to then force myself to then start, um, you know, putting my, my training into practice. Yeah. Um, and the point of that was that, you know, I had to have that experience. We all have to have these experiences. Even when Spades had that bad experience, we need to be res- have responsibility, which is our ability to respond. Something happens, react appropriately rather than going back into old habits. Now, if an old habit works for you, that's great. But if it doesn't work for you, then you're forced to then do something different. And um, and that's there's so many lessons that dogs have taught me, and I'm so passionate about that because um, because without that, it would. You know, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't be aware of the things that I'm aware of now and open to growth and learning. And, you know, since then, like obviously, you know, it's been over 10 years now. So yeah. clearly lots of things have happened, but it's put me on a, an amazing journey, you know, meeting the, you know, the right people and, and putting myself out there and, you know, learning, learning the new techniques and everything's related. So wherever I'm, wherever I am, whether it's with an, another mentor or whether it's with friends or being on my own. Everything's connected and not and like, and it sounds cliche, but we want to be able to have the, if I have an experience, whether it's in the dojo with my, um, at martial arts or whether it's an experience that I have being in nature or, or even like learning something that has nothing to do with dog training or with life, everything has to be related. And if you can start to see the correlations, then that's how we can start to develop and, and, you know, be better people. And mm. if we're better people, we can be of service to, to others and I think that's what it's all about really so sharing the knowledge it's a good point Um, so on dog parks Mm -hmm. is this a bit of a controversial topic I mean like let's just from from what I could think about uh, let's say like I live in an apartment Mm -hmm. and a dog park might be my only chance to get my dog out Mm -hmm. into a a grassed area perhaps Mm -hmm. I don't have I don't have a backyard and Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing what's the biggest issue with dog parks look the 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 thing that I see about dog parks is the ones that are enclosed, the ones that are fenced off, that are very small, becomes a very small epicenter of intensity. Mm. So, like, it's where all the dogs come and it could be it's very- like a boxing ring. Yeah, it could be very mm. hard for people to control their animals. You've, you've only got 1.6 seconds to make the connection between a behavior and its consequence. If your dog's on the other side of the, the park and then, you know, um, first of all, you can't control them. So, two things happen from dog parks. It's a place where your dog learns to ignore you or your training kind of becomes- obsolete right and it's a dangerous place where dogs get attacked so people may not you know with the right intentions 
may not even know much about their dog. They got their dog last week from the shelter or a rescue or something happened to their dog, but they weren't aware of it. They come to the park, something happens, a dog then gets bitten, gets jumped on. Even if a young puppy just gets jumped on from an excited Labrador, that's a bad experience for that mm. puppy. So it's very hard to control the dog's experiences. Um, it's also, as I said before, a place where your dog learns to ignore you. So there are some dog parks that I do like, like Sydney Park, for example, with the one um, in St. Peter's. It's really, really big yeah, um, because it's surrounded by main roads. So naturally, dogs have to have a, a, a decent recall and be somewhat trained. Mm. so not to run with the road and kill themselves. But because it's big, we have the opportunity to flow and move through it. So keep on walking the paths where a lot of people stand in the dog park and they just hang out. And you become a very very big resource to a lot of dogs and the dogs then start, if the dog's scared, comes between my legs, another dog comes, the dog doesn't know, tries a bite because he's trying to protect himself, he's in his safest place, which is between his owner's legs. Yeah. And they're not protecting the owner, by the way. They're protecting themselves. They come mm. to the owner because mm. that's their safe zone. The dog doesn't understand because there's no social interaction, doesn't have social cues because most dogs don't if they haven't been taught. And, um, you know, so all these, like so many variables can happen. So I think- there are some dog parks, and look, some people go to dog parks for the whole dog's life and never experience anything. Mm. From what I see, eighty percent—not that I did the, the statistics—but yeah. generally, yeah. like a lot of my clients' dogs that are aggressive or reactive, something happened at the dog park. Mm. It stems from that place. So, and I've seen it personally with my own dog. So, um, the alternative is well, regular training. So, mm. bond with your dog, give your dog the opportunity to be. There's three things that we do in dog training, or well, three outcomes. We're giving a mental physical stimulation. We're giving them a practical, uh, we're teaching them practical skills, sit down, stay calm, yeah. the bed command, etc. So we're there, we have opportunity to control them and, um, and to guide them in difficult situations. And also it's bonding time. So your dog wants to work for you because all dogs were designed to do a job. And, um, and also a very important tool and job that we give our dogs is a structured walk. So when yeah. you're out walking, you're on a lucid next to me. If I stop, you stop. I say, sit, you sit. Until I say, okay, you're allowed to walk again. In that way there, you're giving your dog that purpose. You're giving that dog that job. And I use 10-meter long leads. So if I was to go for an hour walk, I'd do 20 minutes structured walk, 20 minutes free time in the park where they can pee, poo, play, sniff, chase a ball, have their time while they're still fixed on a lead. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to be in a dog park to do that. And then you do structured walk back home. And that way there, it gives you a good way of exercising and mentally and physically. Um, so things that I teach my clients is that all dogs are designed to do a job where they're pulling sleds, herding sheep, retrieving game, etc. But now we have dogs as our companions. They miss out on that job. And if you don't give them a job, they lack purpose and they find their own ways to fulfill themselves. And dogs will do weird and wonderful things to get their, to, um, let the day go by. Digging holes and barking at the birds and destroying the house. And who knows what? <laughs> Chewing the guarding, couch. Guarding the yeah. bed, whatever, right? So, so on that subject. Um, a lot of dogs are little dogs now because, you know, apartments are becoming dog friendly. Mm-hmm. And so what is a small dog's purpose? Well, each breed had a job. So, right. you know, um, so for example, like a German Shepherd, they were a guarding dog. They were also, even before that, more of like a, a shepherding dog that was supposed to, you know, herd sheep, flock yeah. The sheep, um, yeah. yeah, the sheep and stuff. You know, Kelpies, sheep dogs, they're, um, they're retrievers, they were retriever dogs. You had small dogs like Jack Russells, they were. They were ratters, that, so they're basically hunting dogs, hang around the property. They would go off and kill the rats or whatever other rodents that would be around. Um, you know, so you have Australian terriers would do the same thing to protect the crops for the, from the and birds snakes, yeah. and snakes, you mm. know, and, 
Um, but the little designer dogs. Well, look, like, so poodles were designed to be retrievers. Mm-hmm. Really? Um, yeah, huh. so, like, and the standard poodle was, like, this big. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, big dogs, two yeah. people that can't see us. And um, so they would go out and they would retrieve the, the animals for us. Again, don't quote me on all this. I'm not too expert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Expertise, no, but no, but it's as a general so flow, interesting. We, and, you know, so your, your cavaliers were, like, they were used for hunting. So they would go out and search the the path and help us find the animals so we can shoot them. Yeah. You know, um, there were some other dogs that were over time meant for like lap dogs, like the pug, for example, didn't have an intense sure. job. A lot of these dogs have been bred down to a specific for sure. look even, or style. Yeah, exactly. Or, yeah. But there is still, like even for us humans, we're hunter-gatherers, right? Mm. Well, traditionally we were. Mm. And we still have that, that instinctive need to do so. Mm. But nobody's hunting and gathering. Obviously, there are people, but in our modern societies, not many of us are doing that. But we're still doing it indirectly. So the way that I thought about it was that so men were generally the hunters, women were generally the fa- the the gatherers. Mm. So how do we fulfil that instinctive need? Well, boys generally like to play and participate in a sport like football or soccer or something that involves team. That involves getting one thing over the line, so we have a goal. Yeah, that's a hunting. That's, that's right. A hunting mechanism. It's fulfilling that you're, that need. You're aiming a projectile, so whether that's a ball or a hockey puck mm-hmm. at a goal. That's right. That's hunting. Yeah, and it's also like tribalism. One team versus the yeah. other team. It's fulfilling that mental, physical stimulus mm. and um, or stimulation. I mean, and yeah, it's it's fulfilling somewhat of that hunter, where the f- where the gatherers would generally be. Going out there and looking for the berries. Well, what do most women like to do? Shop, of course, right? They go to Westfields and they're looking for. Oh my Controversial, God, right? <laughs> so, um, as as a general, so there are ways. And look, and obviously, look at our society. What do we? What do most you know? Big corporations capitalize on sport and shopping, mm. right? Because they know that it's a fulfilling need that we need to do it. So there's there's some essence of it. We're doing it, or mm. even going to work, it fulfills you. Going and Playing, uh, you know, um, playing a sport or participating in a martial art or doing dance, it's mental physical stimulation. So that's how we fulfill our needs on those instinctive levels. So it's what we should be doing with our dogs as well. Mm. So, um, so the job that we give dogs is a basic obedience training. We give them the loose lead walk. So it's formulating them a domestic job, but it's nothing to do with what they used to do because putting them on a lead is the most unnatural thing that we do to dogs. Yeah. But um, but at least it's giving them something to do. So we, because when you think about it, the instinctive animal was like a wolf, the wolf-like animal, and for us to like get them, get them to like herd sheep, mm. well, they still herded when they were hunting. They were still herding animals so they can get the weakest one out of the flock, and then they'll go and kill it. So then, for example, the kelpie would then herd them, but then they just took away through breeding took away the biting, took away the attacking of the sheep and just harnessed some qualities of it. And then through selective breeding, they had in the specific dog that they want. Or like the golden retriever, if I go to shoot that duck, we want them to like chase it through prey drive to go get it. But you got to bring it back, not bite too hard. It has to be soft. You mm. got to bring it to me and don't run off with it and eat it. So through training and that's through genetics and then through um, through selective breeding, through environment, we can then eventually get the things, the the qualities that we like. And, you know, I think if I was born like a thousand years ago, I'd probably be a Spartan warrior or something. So I need to fulfill that need. If I don't do that, I feel a lack of, and that's where a lot of disruptances can come mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. And if I'm not actively giving myself a mental, physical job and stimulation, then I feel off. Mm. And, um, 
And yes, so as I said before, finding the correlation between how I stimulate the dog, how do I stimulate myself, the the um the underlying quality is the same, like the foundations the same, but its application is different. And um and yes, yeah, so that's another thing that dogs have taught me. Um and yes, yeah, so like to answer your question, you can fulfill your dog's needs without them just running free and just doing doing laps around the park because if you just let your dog run, you're giving them physical exercise. But how about their mental exercise? Right. And then if a dog has heaps of physical exercise, they run and they run and they run. So they become more fit. The more fit they become, it makes them, and we need to run them for even longer for them to get tired. And who's got three, four hours to run their dog? Right. So we need to get that mind and body. And even yesterday, I was working with a little dog, went for a short walk, but it was a lot of training and showing these people how to engage with the dog and stimulate the dog. The dog was so tired after an hour and we hardly went anywhere because that mind body connection. Right. So it's um so yeah so there's ways of of exercise like even me I could run for ten kilometers or I could do an hour and a half of you know rolling on the mats and I haven't gone anywhere but it's still physically demanding. Yeah. It's like when you start a new job, you get really tired. Yeah, for yeah. sure, hundred percent. It's such a yeah. new environment, yeah. new stimulus, yeah. and exactly. your brain's yeah. like you hear people say, "Oh, I started a new job, I'm so tired." Mm-hmm. It's the mental stimulation. Exactly. As well. Yeah. So, yeah. and I think we're becoming, and you know, talking about people that are suffering, you know, depression, anxiety, and and other illnesses. That we something that I heard recently is that we need to orchestrate our own struggle. So, if we orchestrate our own struggle, when then life's challenges come, then it's easier for us to deal with them. I think I'm quoting Joe Rogan. So, um, and he's all about that. So basically, we, and it makes sense when someone says something and it resonates, it's because you're doing it or you know it. It's just someone says it in the right way. Mm. And I think that's also another part of being a teacher is that we're not necessarily teaching people new things. I'm just reminding you or putting my words into a certain fashion. So then it uh, identifies or resonates with you. And that's why we then become attracted to new lessons because we instinctively and deep down, we know these things. It's just we probably haven't been so consciously aware of it because our subconscious is doing everything for us, but our conscious mind is has to catch up with what our body's doing. Yeah. It's, it's interesting you talk about um, that when dogs are in fear, like they say the best form of defense is attack. For sure. Well, most dogs are probably if we had a, if we walked our streets with dogs off the lead, they have the opportunity to express themselves through body language. So they can understand what's happening because most dogs don't understand body language. You know, most people don't even understand yeah. people's body language, no. right? They're just going off the words that they say and the clothes that they're wearing, but they're not looking at the subtle gestures. Misinterpretation. Um, misinterpretation, yeah. 100%. So when we put a dog on a lead, they're not expressing themselves mm. naturally. So it's hard. They see a dog coming right towards them, mm. going down the path and they're coming, they're coming. And the dog's like, Oh my God. Where normally in the real world, if, if it was Chloe, for example, because she used to react and bark and try to bite mm. other dogs. If she was off the leash, she'd be like, dog, boom, and run. But we're going, we're walking this way. And right. I'll put you on this short lead, you're going to deal with it. And so if she was off the leash, she'd probably be more likely to bolt yeah, than, or, than attack. Or she'd probably walk up and get a little bit, and the dog would be like, oh, what's that? And then she's that Because her yeah. movement is restricted by the collar, That's she's right. more like. Yeah. yeah, and because if they can't flight, and then she's probably less likely to freeze. She'll fly. back. So then yeah. she goes, well, and think about it. The dog barks and barks, 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 barks. The dog disappears and she goes, luckily I barked. Yeah. Right. So then we've reinforced that behavior by. That's exactly. Yeah. And right. that's why dogs do it to the postman. They bark, they carry on. The guy touches the she mailbox. Goes, well, and just, that worked. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. So I'm going to do it again. So. And then the postman leaves and the dog thinks I won. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. there's ways of changing that. Like a couple of things. Like, for example, my neighbor's dog, they'll bark at me. And um, when they, when I, they, when I first moved in, they would bark and carry on. Or when they f- 
first acquired the dogs and I just stood there. I stood there for about 10 minutes. I didn't give them any eye contact. I just stood there not and just hung out. And then after like five minutes, they thought, oh my God, this guy's He's not going anywhere. anywhere. So as soon as they and started you, to walk And you don't away, look at them? I didn't look at them because yeah. they didn't want to further. And these dogs were kind of trying to jump over the fence. I didn't give them any eye contact. I just stood there. They settled down. They kind of started backing up a bit because they were a bit unsure. And then I continued to to walk. So if you um if you had stared them in the eye, is that perceived as more of a threat to them? Probably, because yeah. as an animal, for they, sure. Yeah, eye yeah. contact. Eye okay. contact's a big one. And then also I'd have food on me, so I'd start throwing them food. And then I started to get to know them and I did interact with them a little bit. Then I would tell them, Hey, don't do it. It's me. Now when I walk past, they don't even react to me. Mm. They will definitely react to some other person. Mm. But for me, they don't do they it. Know it's you better know. for me, right? Yeah. Um But my point is is that if I stood there while they're barking and then they stop barking and then I walk away, then just as the example, that's why most people, most dogs will bark when people with dogs walk past because their behavior has been reinforced. Right. So, um, and I think we do that too, right? Mm. You know, we drive, someone does something stupid on the road, you tell them off, they drive off and you're like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't do anything. Like they don't know you, you know, <laughs> I don't think you've changed their behavior. Just on that, um, that <laughs> note of, you know, now that dogs, we really only have dogs mainly as companions and I guess we think of our dogs now as part of the family and I guess where I'm going with this is I think, and you, I want to get your opinion on this, but do you think people forget that dogs are dogs and that a dog has a master and not a friend mm. kind of thing? People are talking to their dogs a lot. They're going, no, Chloe, we don't want you to do that anymore. It means nothing to the dog. The dog yeah. doesn't understand English. Yeah. Even if she could understand English, she probably still wouldn't do anything. So what we need to do is understand that, yeah, of course, like Spades, for example, is my, I call him my brother all the time, right? Mm. Even though I'm probably more like his dad, but like call him his brother because first of all, you know, all creatures of the earth, whether it's the plants and the trees and the birds and the bees, we're, we're all brothers and sisters. We're all related, right? Um, and we need to see uh, on one level, yes, of course, we're equal. We all have the right to do. But in terms of a pack orientation or in family orientation, there is still a hierarchy. Mm. And the hierarchy is real. I feed him. I give him shelter. He doesn't pay rent. He doesn't clean up after himself. So naturally, he has to do things for me. Yeah. But instinctively- or not even like traditionally, they were like they they didn't just. If it was a wild fox that came to my house and I sometimes fed him, but he went and did his own thing and he knew how to fend for himself, then I probably don't have any right to tell him what to do. Mm. But because he's completely reliant on me, then it's my duty to then be responsible to show him how he should interact with his environment. Because I can see twenty steps ahead. If you do that behavior then you're probably going to get bitten. You're probably going to bite them. I get in trouble. Um, I make bad friends with my neighbors. Um, you know, you then continue to do that behavior. It makes you more stressed. Like he hasn't got that potential to understand that. So I have to be responsible. Again, re- ability to respond mm. to certain behaviors for him to understand. Behaviors have consequences. Cause and effect. Yeah. And also, once I start getting him into this routine of understanding that he can make better choices, his stress levels can be then reduced. So, for example, like with Spades when he was reactive, um, the technique was have high-value food. Every time he sees a dog, I get him to look at me, I reward him. He sees a dog, I get him to look, I reward him. Dog, look, reward, dog, look, reward over and over again. So we call this counter-conditioning. Mm-hmm. So then what would happen after a couple of weeks to a couple of months of practicing this, depending on how consistent people are, he would see a dog and automatically look at me so he can get his reward. So through conditioning he knows i've showed him yes be interested and look forward to seeing the dog 
But instead of reacting to try to keep him away, how about you look back towards me? And then, of course, there are times where once we've taught him a certain behavior, we can then use a form of punishment to then show them, now I've showed you what to do, but you've done a behavior that I don't like. There was a consequence to it. So when we said, like when we use that correction for Chloe, now lucky for us, and not just lucky, but obviously I calculated it, that it worked and that she went to go bite our little other dog, our Maltese Pomeranian, her name's Nookie. So she went to go bite. We pulled her back. She stopped. I let go. Mm. We continued walking, had good flow. So in that, it was, that was more of a, that was more of a reactive. So it's yeah. not really like a training technique. No. It was just a reaction where happened to be that Nookie came a little bit too close. She went to go react. I just grabbed her and I just pulled her away. As soon as she reacted, and this all happened within two seconds. She stopped, I let go, yeah. we continued walking. And that way there, she then looked at me going, all right, that wasn't a good decision. Yeah, Obviously, it wasn't about pain and it wasn't even about fear. It was more about I've now just taken quick control. And dogs would definitely do that to each other. But we're, we're not dogs, first of all. We are more evolved. Yeah. We're more um, rational beings. In some beings. ways. <laughs> In some ways, right? And because of that, we can then be more calculative. Yeah. And we can now set up the situation, set up environments. And also – um have really good timing. So mm. we want to try to understand how dogs learn, but also put them into a more of a structured sort of um, technique and exercise. So generally, when we see problems, we can fix problems by using short-term correction or trying to distract them or avoid them. But that's not really stopping problems. What we need to do is find the solution. The solution is, and what we've done work with Chloe, and I remember with her in one of our last sessions, we go, okay, we've done everything outside, but my God, when she jumps on the bed, she like tries to bite everyone, Right. And um, and in that moment then, nothing worked. We tried to give her treats, to lure her off. It didn't work. So what we did was I just got a lead. I lassoed it up, put it around her, and then I pulled her off the bed. Now, at first, she put up a fight. She tried to bite the lead, tried to bite me, and I just followed through, and I said, off, and I pulled her off. Yeah. She jumped back up again because it's a habit. Yeah. We got her. We said, off, we pull her off, off, we pull her off. And then eventually, because she knew now that I followed through and I've set myself up to, for success, that I walked up onto the bed, I sat on, I said, off, she jumped off. Oh, she's so good now. Beautiful. She, she's oh, I completely just, like, she'll be on dog. there and I don't want her and then I'll say quite harshly, off. And follow through. For sure. And look, and that's that's how she we have to be in life, right? Is she that, just, yeah, she's a completely different dog. That's the best dog. part like, out of everything. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. it's you the know, best. And, yeah, and, you know, and un- unfortunately we've lost some of that touch with our – with our primal nature or with our way of being physical. Like people think now being physical is a, is a abusive. Yeah. Like just because I've used a punisher does not mean that I'm being abusive, right? Mm. Punishment and abuse have somehow fallen the same basket. And I'm like, how the hell, where did that happen? That's kind of gone crazy, right? That's so interesting, Panos, because in the, in with children and, and little people and parents, and this is probably a little bit controversial, but, I feel that kids look for boundaries. They need boundaries just as mm. dogs need boundaries. They Kids actually push your buttons mm-hmm. because they want a boundary. Like I say, well, and, it, you know, I've got adult children mm-hmm. now, but they'll always be my kids. And I say, look, I'm not your best friend. Mm-hmm. I'm your mum. Yes. And as your mum, I'm older, wiser, mm. and boundaries. Well, I was watching this Netflix thing. It was called like the beginning of life or something, talking about children, since we're going to have a baby next week. Right? <laughs> pretty appropriate. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, and they were talking about the terrible twos and how they're saying that when they're two, if you say don't touch the cup, they will touch the cup. Yeah. To watch your reaction. To see your reaction. Yeah. But I yeah. think that will, and the way the lady explained it was that 
she's like the child is trying to put an experiment on you. She goes, well, why not touch the cup? Yeah. Like, what yeah. is the consequence yeah. of that? Why do I yeah. have to not touch yeah. it? If they listen to you all the time, it would be a very boring world because we need to push our boundaries because if no one pushed the boundaries, we wouldn't have a house. Yeah. We wouldn't have like a desk. And what's a podcast? No one would be trying new things. <laughs> yeah. And we wouldn't evolve as yeah. a species. So I think we need those things. And even our dogs are going to do that too. Maybe not to the extent of how a child sees it, but there are some elements to like for example yesterday my client god love her but she's forgotten that she has a puppy that's 15 weeks old she's the puppy does this to me it's like well yeah she jumps on you because you want she wants a pat like mm. it says that simple the dog's not trying to do anything except for how do i get a pat quicker mm. can i jump on you um if, you know and if you jump on me someone will pat me and the kids do of course pat her when and she the jumps dog goes up. okay well i jump yeah. up i get patted that right? works yeah. yeah so why not do it so we need to come up with good routines but even with the children yesterday because they're being a bit of a handful and all three of them were like give me treats give me treats and it was all just a bit chaotic and i could i'm only there for that that duration mm. of time and i haven't got all day to have the patience so i'm like listen and i had to lay the the law with them and i've known for the last three sessions. So it wasn't like I just came out of nowhere and started laying the law. But I, I said, like, listen, because they won't listen to mum either. Mm. If you're not going to listen and listen to mum, well, then you can go to your room mm. straight up. And I put the serious voice on. Mm-hmm. My God, I haven't seen kids go quiet so quick. And the mum was like, thank you. Yeah. yeah. And um, now I get it. She probably said the exact same thing, but who listens to mum and dad all mm. the time, right? It's just not natural. We're always going to listen to the stranger. Mm. And... um. And because I am congruent with the same things mum was saying, I've now reinforced that belief. Well, we'll maybe help that belief a little bit more. We have to work together rather than fighting with your sisters over the attention over the trainer or the dog. Mm. Actually, I was listening to um an audio book. What's his name? Carlos Castaneda. That's his name, right? And um about this book called Don Juan, who was like one of his masters and everything else. Anyway, right at the beginning of the book, it was really interesting and got me thinking was that he was – one of his students of this wise old man was saying, my child doesn't listen to me and he won't, and I want him to be protective, but I don't want to be like overbearing. He goes, he goes look, you tell him what you don't want him to do, but I'm going to hide around the corner. And when you tell him what you don't want him to do, I'm going to come and then tell him he's done the wrong thing or scare him or something happened. It's an old book, so not very politically correct. So he probably walked down the street and he says, I forgot what it was. It was like, don't touch something, for example. Don't touch that post. Yeah. And then he's like, hmm, and he touched the post, and the guy came in, he's like, don't you touch my post, that's my post, blah, blah, blah. And the kid was like, oh, and went back to dad for safety. So it wasn't that dad was enforcing the law as if the old man did it. He did it as, I told you not to touch it, but now look what happened. The environment or things outside of mm. us have now provided the a reason consequence. I told you is Exactly. That. And now you come to me for the, the, um, the, the safety bracket rather than, don't touch the bracket. Then I tell you, I told you yeah. not to touch them. And then you may look somewhere else for safety. So I thought that was very interesting, especially the way that we work with our dogs is mm. that we teach them what we want them to do. Mm. We give them the solution to the behavior, which is when you see a dog, look at me, because if you're looking at me, then you're not trying to lunge at the dog. And then once we've taught him what to do, then when you choose not to do it for whatever reason, let's just say it's a behavior that he definitely knows, but he's just trying something else, then we can then apply some pressure. And that's where the, and if it's changed his behavior or her behavior, then the dog then understands, all right, cool. If I do that, good things happen. If I do that, then undesirable things happen. And again, undesirable doesn't have to be making them scared or putting unbearable pressure or even unbearable stress. It's just about showing, because we all learn through some forms of stress, but we do need to be the ones 
that are providing those. Just like as you said, you know, I'm I'm not your best friend, dog, even though I am. Mm. I'm your master. I, I, yeah, I have to guide you through the world. Or Someone then, has to be the leader. You well, can't well, all be. Why are the shelters the full of dogs and why some yeah. dogs don't get walked and why do some dogs attack? And I see all the problems all the time and it's because, they go, oh, but I feel bad. It's like the dog's biting you and you feel bad that mm. you don't want to give him a job. And it's like, but I just want him to run free. And it's mm. like, well, let him run free, but his instincts are going to come to play because dogs bite other dogs for a reason because that's how they communicate with each yeah. other. They can't talk. Of course, and they yeah. use their body language. So, you know, and that, why do why do people use force on, on other on others? Because instinctively it works pretty well. Don't come into my house. You come into my house and I slap you across the head. Yeah. It's more likely you probably won't come into my house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that there's obviously better ways of doing that now, but instinctively we know it works. So we need to find ways that we can coexist with each other and formulate nature in somewhat, because that's what humans do best, is that we try to mimic nature. But we work so against nature all the time. Unfortunately, we can't use nature all the time. We have to come up with our own rules because there's too many of us. And if we all did what our instincts told us, we'd burn the place down, I think. Mm. On the subject of nature panels, it's really interesting. I, you know, I'm a yoga teacher. I love meditation. I love nature. I find that that really relieves my anxiety, um, which is how I found my way to the mat in the first place. But when I take Chloe for a walk down mm-hmm. the coast, in particular where we're allowed to go on the beach, she has learnt to absolutely love putting her paws in the water mm-hmm. up to about her knees. Mm-hmm. She just goes for it and mm. she's the happiest. And she comes home, she's had a big long walk, she comes home and she's so Peaceful, mm-hmm. so grounded, and so relaxed. Mm. So she instinctively knows mm-hmm. that to get into that connect salt water, with to connect with nature, for sure. And that's the one thing I think that as humans, we can learn. We live in this urban environment, but mm. we've still got to get out onto that little piece of grass. We've mm. still, and that's just something that I Bare give foot. my students absolutely when they come to me and they they may go down in a lift, they go in their car, they go mm-hmm. to work, they go up in a never lift, they the work, earth. they mm. never touch the earth. Mm. So, and they say, glass. "Oh, but I live in an apartment." I say, "Yeah, but I bet you there's a, <coughs> a shot of grass behind your letterbox at the front of your apartment. 100%. When you get out, take your shoes off." get on that grass, and you start to actually become super sensitive Mm. to the energy coming up through your feet. And I'm sure that's another thing that we can learn from our dogs because their senses are so amazing. One thing that I wrote on that list is, like, you know, dogs give us opportunity to visit nature daily. Exactly. And it's like we – People think nature is a blue mountains. Yeah, that's the nature, but Mm. I'm looking at trees right now. We we live in nature. Nature is everywhere. No, not everywhere. Nature is Nature just, is just, the original. Just, just yeah. we, we are nature, right? Yeah. We are, we are the earth just mm. moving around with consciousness, right? So, um, we just need to be more aware of that. And look, when most of the time when I'm going to the park, even if it's winter, yeah, take their shoes off because I mm. want to feel the ground. Mm. That's just how I, how I connect and, and, um, clears your energy for sure, you know, and it gives, it gives me an opportunity to just, huh, I'm Exhale. here now, right? Mm. And, um, and yeah, like, you know, we've got a dog, we've got a free personal trainer in our backyard, yeah. right? In our house all day. So yeah. they've got to get out. And it's surprising how many people don't walk their dogs every day. It's mm. like a no-brainer. I walk now. If the walks are paying the butt, well, then why do people want to do it? So I get it. That's what my job is for. Talking about what we first talked about, but um, that's once- very good point. Yeah, because that's that was another thing with Chloe. I wanted to walk her, but it was becoming just such an anxiety-filled event. Mm. I was yeah, actually go. Oh. Yeah, it's not adding to your life, right? It's supposed oh. to add to you, right? Yeah. So. 
So once I can show people how to do it, then you get yourself to the park. And if you're using that 10 meter long lead, you walk up to the park, put them on a lead, not breaking any rules. You've got your control over your dog. You start practicing your training, give them exercise. The way they feel good as well is, of course, they're fulfilling their instinctive, um, instinctive needs by going in the water and touching the ground and running around, but it's releasing endorphins. It releases our endorphins. Like there's just too many good things that can come from it. You know, and a client the other day says, oh, I don't walk my dog because I'm scared that big dogs are going to come attack. Well, then don't drive a car. Don't drink anything. Don't, don't cross the street. Don't, yeah. don't look anywhere because you're going to see something bad. Like, yeah. you can't live a life like that. You know, and now the kids are scared of big dogs and they don't have an experience with a big dog. But mum's and she said anyway that she implanted the fear into their kids because she got attacked when she was five. And it's like, it happened like 50 mm. years ago. Break the cycle. Yeah. It's like, what the hell? <laughs> on, on the topic of, um, you know, learning as a child and you talk about that documentary you watched so i was listening to a podcast and this psychologist was saying so what a child does let's say a child's never seen a dog before and let's say they're in the park and the dog walks across the their field of view and the kids with the mum the first thing the kid does is it looks at the dog and then it looks at the mum mm. and whatever the reaction of the mum is mm-hmm. Because the dog, the kid's going, I don't know what this is. You should know. You you know what this is. So, you tell me. (laughs) Yeah. So, and that's how they learn it. So, if it's a fear of, a reaction of fear from Mm -hmm. the parent, then the kid will have that instilled into them. For sure. I think so. Look, so, something that that documentary was talking about and something that I teach to my clients. So, the critical period of a puppy psychological development, so the critical period of learning is between 7 and 17 weeks. So, wow. so in that period, you have to socialize your dog, get your dog out and about, show them what a harness and the lead is so you can start walking, show them what environmental stimulus is like cars and people and dogs and mm. birds and all of these things. And you've got that little bracket to socialize them as much as possible. Of course, giving them good experiences and, um, and things like that. Now, when people say to me, how do we stop aggressive behavior? The best way to stop them is from socializing them from young. Yeah. You can do it from when they're older, but you still got a lot more work to do and it's never a guarantee that you're going to fix what they missed out in that critical period. Now, the reasons why most people don't get them out and about is because it's common vets. Not that I'm hating on vets, but, you know, and, some, and most vets are starting to come on board, but they're saying don't take your dog out until their last vaccination because of the right. virus. Which right? is how many weeks? Normally around 16, 17 weeks oh. is their last vaccination. They need three. So, the problem with that is that dogs stay inside the house. The whole critical period, they get used to the house. Then they go out for the first time and you should see the puppies, most of them Freaking don't out. even know what the hell they're yeah. doing. And, um, and then, of course, if they had a bad experience or a lack of experience, see, sometimes a lack of experience and a bad experience is sometimes the same thing because it creates that survival kind of fight, flight or freeze same mode. Outcome. Right? So, um, so when a lot of people say my dog is a rescue and you got attacked, he probably just never seen anything. And that's why when he sees a dog, he just freaks out because he doesn't know what it is and he's scared. But um, so what we need to do is, of course, we need to meet halfway with the vets. Now, of course, parvovirus is one of the um, viruses that we vaccinate against. Can be very deadly to a yeah. dog, and they come in contact with it, they can die. And it how can common is it in our developed um, suburbs? It's pretty rare. Yeah. I haven't seen it. Over, as I said, over a thousand clients that I've seen, all my puppy class from the day I started, I told them you've got to get your puppies out. No one's reported back to me saying they've got parvovirus, but it is very real. It can happen. The risk is there. But the risk of your dog dying because of a behavioural issue and he's a year, year and a half. Much higher. Is, in my opinion, is probably more higher than the, mm. than the parvovirus. Of course, vets are going to see more parvovirus hey. because it's their ex, like they're in it, they're seeing it more. 
But um, your unsocialized dog picks on the wrong dog at the dog park, and it, something it could, goes so bad. The thing I would say is, if people are listening and they've got a puppy in that critical period, is just walk them on the concrete because because it can the parvovirus can live in the grass for a very long oh, okay. time. So that's the biggest problem, and it gets contracted through feces of an infected dog. So the likelihood of an infected dog in and they know, get it through area, their paws, do they? Or? No, I know that it's when they come to sniff it. I think, or when they, and it could be through their paws. It's just any physical contact, right. and it goes inside them. So you know, avoid the highly dog populated areas, avoid the grass, but get your pups out, start showing them the world, get them on a harness, walk along the streets, stick on the concrete, go to the coffee shop, go down to you know the bus stop and different places, socialize them, heaps of treats, yeah. make positive experiences. Because and then something that I listened to in that in that um that documentary I listened to was that our critical period is up to three years old. Yes. And the extended period is up to eight years old. So that first three years is when we need to be making the best foundations of our life. And it's good for me to hear that. I think I always knew that anyway. But um, obviously having a baby soon, I'll be mm. like, I'm working on him, man. That's exactly well, what Linda I'm training said in that him. Yeah, we'll, we'll pass the age of three. You're not the primary source of socialization anymore. Mm. Other kids are. There you go. Once the kid goes to preschool, mm. you know, and they're spending X amount of time there. Yeah. The parent up until teacher. that time, you're you're it. Well, yeah, and they say as well, like that. You know, as a general rule, like five years old is when the kids are ready to learn to go to school. And I'm like, they saying, no, we have to invest this time before mm. they even get to daycare or anything like that. So this first three years, actually, something else they said again, whether it's true or not, is that the child can't determine the difference between themselves and their mother up until ten months. So him and his mum no are like the self. same thing, yeah. and it makes sense since the mum made him. Mm. You know, like mm. he is his mum, right? And then what? And then does that, that mean his shell, when that's he was his in shell? Utero. Yeah. And then what is it? Every seven years that our cells regenerate. Yeah. So you're so that when he when he's born next week, he will be his mum's cells up until he's seven. Then he becomes himself mm. after that extended critical period. It kind of makes sense when you think of on that level. So we need to um, make sure that we're making positive experiences um, and having experiences. Just period. You can't shelter them too much, but you don't want them to have bad experiences either. And you know the most. Um, the most developed people, the ones that went through struggle. So what do we do? Put our kids through struggle? Well, no one wants to do that. And there's a bit of a paradox there. Like, you know, I didn't want to get stabbed if I could decide to be stabbed or not. God but like, no. probably yeah. not. I'm going to defect, I'm going to defend myself and get out of there. But it kind of had to happen. So there's the fine line of, of learning and, and, and growing is that mm. how much experience are you going to allow yourself to have? And, you know, I had the great opportunity to, um, to meet my shaman who's, um, who had actually passed away last year, but he taught me so much in life. Like he was an amazing man. And, um, yeah, I wanted to talk uh, about that yeah. actually. So yeah. that's a good segue. Yeah. Cool. cool. Um, cause uh, just before we get into that, yeah. I've noticed through, like I said, I listened to you in that other podcast, but just hearing you the way you speak and from what mum said, there's a, there's an underlying, for me, there's an underlying theme of nature. And I feel like you have a, a, a pretty, a belief in, in maybe the mystical or like mm-hmm. things that synchronicity, things are mm-hmm. connected, you know, in a, sure. in a certain way. And maybe not everything that we see, uh, hear, feel and, and touch is it's, it's not everything, you know, mm. there's, there's possibly something more for sure. Yeah. So wind was his name and, um, what was it? Um, wind, wind. Yeah. yeah. And, um, so he, yeah, amazing man. And he was a road priest, so you know, um, when he was young, he would travel all up and down Australia, and you know, teaching pe- teaching people the ways of the Native American way. Um, he was Navajo, 
And um, so we did a lot. Like I've probably sat in like 50 sweat lodges um, with him. And um, This is here? Yeah. So yeah. he was living in the end. Like, he used to live in Dural or like, um, yeah, like near Dural. And then he moved out to um, to the entrance. And he would um, so set up his, his sweat lodge, which yeah. was like a sticks that would make a big dome and then covered with blankets. And he would um, heat up very hot volcanic rocks. That and there would be a firekeeper that would bring the rocks in, and um and we sit inside that sweat lodge and complete darkness and you know there was the men's area then the women's area and he would then do song and prayer and we would have our drums and we would you know do ceremony basically and so how it generally would structure is that there's four rounds and we normally sit there for about two two and a half hours and it gets really hot in there like yeah. super hot like your sweat yeah. sweat lodge right you're sweating intensely so um so it's purification and and i guess ha- and um harmonizing the mind the body the heart and the spirit and um with those three rounds i had three different um those four rounds had four different focuses and um and he would teach us things inside that sweat lodge and you get to know yourself under these intense sort yeah. of pressure right and you know I, I i personally like to be hot and i don't mind sweating and yeah. it's also a way of giving away so you're giving away, you know, the moisture of your body, right, yeah. back to the energy. Earth. Yeah. Um, but there was also other ceremonies that he, we would participate in, and um, one of them was a vision quest. So I did a vision quest for four days, five, four nights, five days. So I s- sat on a spot in the mountain for up to for those whole, for whole five days on my own, um, no food, maybe like. You know, one liter of water I had over the five days, so it's pretty grueling in that wow. sense. Wow! Um, when was this? This was um, last year, the beginning of last year. Um, and just talking about orchestrated struggle, my most real reason why I wanted to do it wasn't necessarily to seek a vision and to be too woo woo. I yeah. guess it was more to um, to completely surrender the things that I take for granted, like a bed food. and my wife yeah. and and a house and, you know, your food, water. Yeah. Um, water is the Shelter. hardest one, right? Fire yes. out. Water was a struggle. Be, that was, I, I think like my, that. my body started to break down that last day. I, I was looking forward to coming back in. Yeah. Mm. Um, but I wanted to just be on my own. I wanted to know who I was in relation to myself because we always try to compare ourselves to who we are to our neighbor and our friend and our people that we inspire to our parents or our sisters whatever so i want to be able to reflect that within myself to be really in amongst nature to see the real like you know you see the birds wake up in the morning they disappear they come back in the afternoon they go to sleep you watch Mm -hmm. the moon rise the sun goes down like we don't pay attention to that it's very hard to pay attention to it when we're in the hustle and bustle and, you know, and really, and I gave away because I, you know, I wanted to meet my, my son and it happened to be that he's going to be a boy as well. So I, that was one of my prayers. Um, yeah. and many other prayers as well. I had a journal that I write and Wynn came and visited me halfway through to see if I was still okay. Um, he was connected with me anyway and he was a, he was a, a psychic man. Yeah. Um, you know, he, and you, you can tell when someone's a charlatan or someone who is kind of just making it yeah. up, but he was just too genuine to make it up. Like, if you knew him, you'd know that you're in the presence of someone who really wants to help. The real deal. Yeah, and he was, and he was an ordinary good guy too. You yeah. know, like he was have a, have a laugh and never took things too seriously, and that was part of his medicine, part of his uh, way of teaching. But he taught us that we're all shaman, that we're all priests, and we can be our own doctors, and we can be our own saviors, and our own our own best friends as well. So I think that's really important. Um, 
But the reason why I did that was to to really know who I am under those intense pressures and to be completely on my own. And I th- and there was a lot of lessons that came from it that I thought that weren't going to happen. And I had the opportunity to to do that. Now, of course, we there was um. It's a very rare opportunity to have that. Like now that I know he's not around, he's around, but not in the physical realm. And that, mm. you know, makes me miss it. Mm. And, and I would call him when I had things that I wanted to ask or, and now I don't have that. So now it's up to me to yeah. do that for myself, I guess. Um, or maybe wait, you know, another mentor of mine is, um, is my sensei that we do uh, martial arts with. Jiu Jitsu. Um, no, I do ninjutsu. Yeah. Um, so it's like just basic self defense. Yeah. Um, and, it's you know I've been training that for for a while now mm. as well. So there's was another that place. before or after your just after your yeah, incident. So there yeah. was probably a reason why I had yeah. to. And everything correlates like within the the two different realms. You know, one's Japanese, one's native, but, but there's so many underlying yeah. sort of um, um, lessons and and teachings that come from it. And and obviously as well, like you know, I give so much thanks to like you know my parents for giving me so much support and guidance and if i need something i know that they're there for me to call and makes me grateful of my wife and my friends and and my dogs like you know when you know to be grateful for it when you separate yourself from it you know and and being there or being in that dark sweat lodge or being out in nature completely on your own there's no hiding yeah you really start to shed the and i think the point of it point of the, the the vision quest is it's a it's a rites of passage, right? Yeah. Like a real like back in the in the tribal days for the for the Native Americans, they would do that. I think in the Lakota as well is that they would like the, a seven year old boy would go and come back, then the man, and they would be renamed, yeah. and then that's now he's stepped into that new. He's been initiated. He's been well, initiated, yeah. and Indigenous Aboriginals still have ceremony. They still that's have right. initiation. Exactly. It's just done without too much hoo ha, but it, mm. it it occurs like. And we do it too, but it's just called finishing school and Mm. getting your license and being able to drink alcohol and getting a job. Like we have it as well. It's just not as intimate and as hard, (laughs) you know, you just do school and it's not that hard, right? And, you know, and and I think like having all these experiences and being connected with God, whatever you want to call, you know, the the source, the great spirit, Mm. you know, um, you know, we really have to be able to go out there and look for it you gotta you're gonna encounter it by accident or you're gonna encounter it by searching for it Mm. but regardless you you there's gonna be everyone's got the opportunity to be in contact with that but um but then we have to have the the awareness to be able to be open to it you know so true panas it's interesting i attended a talk at chris o'brien lifehouse Mm -hmm. which was awesome on wednesday it's his 10 year anniversary Mm -hmm. you know the brain surgeon that passed with his own brain tumor Mm. and the room was packed it was it was so full and it was full of people that had either going through cancer had cancer or their carers that Mm -hmm. was the sort of the vibe that i got and the 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 number one thing that came out of it was going through cancer and, and i've had breast cancer and recovered well and and i don't know what i would have done without my yoga and meditation i had that skill mm. and that mindset before I got breast cancer. Or without your dog, mum. Like what you would have how you would have recovered without Chloe as well. Yeah. And fudge. Yeah, exactly. Mm. But they all the number one thing was anxiety and their now thirst for answers to that. And I'm mm. pertaining to your journey with your shaman. Yeah. And we're getting back as a society to 
we do we definitely need western medicine but we need the east as well east meets west yes, so and that's true. where the dogs come in that's where the shamans come in that's where a form of meditation well, like the, the herb or the, the community like when we would sit together and we all went to these ceremonies or to to win's house yeah for sure like there's some people that went there because he's a shaman you know mm. and oh my god i know a shaman kind of cool yeah. yeah um but the people that stuck around were there yeah. consistently were there because you see other people open up. Now, a good thing about being in a dark place, you don't get to see people's facial expressions and their gestures, but people would open up, right, and open up to things that they were struggling with and to watch them, you know, you know, do a prayer out loud to for whatever it is, asking for strength or for gratitude or for, you know, I'm really struggling with this. And then someone would, like, physically put their hand on you and mm. be like, it's the okay. Tribe. Yeah, and, mm. and to be there and to see that and, like, and we're missing so much of that community. Like we're so many people, but we're so disconnected and it's pretty sad, right? It's sad that we don't have that and we get that, you know, our family and our animals and our friends and our work colleagues, etc. But, um, Spade, but, um, no. Oh, good. He's all right. He's all right. He's going to sit next to me. Spade is. He's going to sit next to me. (laughs) But yeah, it's, it's, we got to go out there and find it and you got to be open to want to be in those circles and to find your, your community or, or to find your friends that mm. will be there for your you. Tribe. Even, yeah, your tribe, you know, where is that? So, and they're there. Like it's the opportunities are there, but you've really got to get out of your house mm. and you got to do it. Where back in the day, instinctively, like how we were supposed to be, you had no choice. You got your tribe. You're just there. Mm. You're there all the time. You work together. You live together. You survive together. You fight the other tribe together. Mm. You're doing that. But now it's almost like our tribe's gone heaps smaller, more intimate, which, you know, is different and it's not always very much better. But, um, but you know, like even tying it back to like how we have dogs, like, you know, like people that are suffering with anxiety and depression and with, with other post-traumatic stress, like our dogs are like so supportive because they're in the moment constantly. They're always in the moment. And my saying is I teach people to – I teach dogs to live in our society, but dogs teach us to live in the now. In the moment. You know, and, and they do. They give us that opportunity. I'm not thinking about yesterday generally when I'm out walking with my dog or when I'm interacting with him because he's just there, you know. And I love that cartoon where there's a dog and a man mm. sitting on the end of the pier and the man's got the bubble and it's got taxes, la, la, finance, mm-hmm. what am I going to do tomorrow, what am I going to eat tonight, and the dog's is just empty. Yeah, he's <laughs> I'm got a, here. I've got the bubble of what he can see, yeah. yeah. Mindful <laughs> I'm, or mindful. I'm happy to be here with my owner. Yeah, right. he's just checking the view. Yeah. He's yeah. just there, yeah. so, right um, there. And it's good to have those thoughts and be able to, you know, problem solve and to think about those things because that's what makes us who we are and we can have these opportunities, but mm-hmm. we have to, you know. True. Give the time, like, and the reason why I, I meditate personally is not only for the moment while I'm in meditation, it's for when I've developed the skills so when things get heavy, it's your fallback. I just, I just click out of it and I'm here. Yeah. Where if I don't have that opportunity to have impulse control over my own senses, um, over the five senses, then, then they, and that's why I love like even like doing, um, sep, um, deprivation tank, like yeah. in the float tank. It's is that cool? cool? I've never done that. Amazing. I want to try it. Really, really yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. I was telling Rach I want to do it. I want to the try it. The water's the same temperature as your skin. So you like lose the sense of you where you start and where you end? Kind no of senses. The yeah. five senses just completely are shut off. So is you it, can't is hear. the first time intense? Or? Um, the first time for me was probably the, yeah, the most intense, but yeah. like on a positive, I felt like I was literally just floating in space. That's um, crazy. Cause you, and you just become your just... I watched this thing on, um, watching Robocop and it was like, it was pretty, like the Robocop was, had the robot there, right? Mm. 
And then slowly, slowly the arms went, the legs went, then the body went, and then everything went except for what was holding it up was just the only thing that was left of the man was his brain. And then there was like, a, and his mm. heart. So his heart and his brain was the only thing. And you can see his eyes connected to his brain. And it was a pretty freaky moment because you think that's what I actually, if I could be the only physical thing that I am, I am my heart, my brain and my eyes almost. That's it because everything else are just tools mm. to help us mm. and help us continue living. But what makes our consciousness is, is those organs. And when you're in that, in, when I was in that tank there, because we identify so much with our physical body, but there's something happening, whatever that is, whatever that consciousness is, wherever it is, when you're in that space and you shut off all those five senses, you're just that, you're just, yeah, it's it's really hard to explain, but you're just that consciousness, if I could say yeah. it that way. You're just your thought. And actually, and then your thought melts away and you're just, <laughs> oh, my God, what Intense. am I then? Yeah. What, what actually am I? And it was really cool. It was a really cool experience. Yeah, so I'll um, try that. Yeah, I've done it a few times. I, I, went, I was in there for an hour. Some people can't do it. They have like anxiety and they're like, oh, it's claustrophobic, this stuff. But you just, but if you can it's practice. It's not the claustrophobia that bothers me. That, that wouldn't bother me. So I'd like to try it. Give it a go yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, but you know, through like, and I do lots of hot baths as well. Mm-hmm. So I like to uh, put Epsom salts in mm-hmm. for your body, but I want to sweat. But also when your heart's going, because it's so hot, just breathe into it. And that's what martial arts teaches yeah. people. It's what, um, what, you know, hey, work with animals that are frustrating you. Yeah. They're doing things that aren't, but you've got to, find that that's that center. state of yeah, yeah that yeah. state of center and um and yeah like that's what i found even through intense exercise you're really pumping your body and just stop for half a minute and just breathe and bring it all back in control your adrenaline don't let your adrenaline control you but if you can get under it and just kind of grab it and then and then you direct it yeah then when things happen really quickly and this is the moment when i found meditation was helping me was i walked into a i was at a client's house and they had a big cane corso a very 55 kilo animal and i was how much does spades weigh he's 38 okay whoa yeah, so, so like, like a big dog, dog. Right? yeah and i was in the house and um and this is a long time ago like 2012 ish so it was so just when i first started new. yeah and yeah. i thought and this is when i first started becoming more in tune with my own intuition in listening to your intuition rather than your consciousness of thought only. And I was in the house and then they're like, all right, this is the dog and he kind of attacks people and something inside me just goes, just go outside without the owners. And my brain's like, what? But I'm like, oh, with the dog, me. you mean? Yeah. Like the yeah. dog's in the backyard and he goes, just, he said, I said to myself, just go out there. And they go, Are you sure? And I'm like, it just feels right. Yeah. Anyway. So I went outside, I closed the door and I took like four steps into the yard and I see this thing just running at me and I'm going, oh shit. And I look, kind of looked at the door, but the door's too far away to turn and run to it. And he's full speed running at me and I just stopped and I just, I went somewhere like that and he's like jumping at me, barking at my face. I just stood there. I was very calm, fully still, sweating like intensely. So my adrenaline was peaking, but I was super relaxed. And I just stood there. So I didn't look like a threat, didn't look at him. He was barking, 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 which felt like five minutes. It was probably in like 45 seconds or something. He yeah. stopped. I reached for my bag. I just started dropping heaps of food on the floor. He started eating. Then I started moving. And then he started going, oh, right, hold on. He didn't react. Yeah. I think the dog was just scared and, and, and unsocialized. That's why he's been very, you know, reactive and aggressive to people. Um, but in that moment, it was only a couple of days later, I thought, that's how meditation helped me in that particular situation was that I didn't become very flinchy mm. and then trying to run because that's what get people bitten. Um, and if I'm scared, then if I'm scared, I'm more likely to fight. And if an animal 
sees you scared, you're potentially a threat and prey. Mm. So Mm. it's either they're going to prey drive and want to just chase you down or they're feeling defensive and they're thinking you're moving too erratic, you're scared, you're probably going to hurt me, I'm going to bite you first. So so because I was very calm and in my body and I was – in, and I was actually more aware of what was happening around me rather than letting fear take over. Um, that's why people should meditate. That's why people should be in tune with themselves. That's one of the best explanations, Panos, that I've heard because there's a saying, you can't always change the situation that you find yourself mm-hmm. in, but what you can do is change your reaction yeah. to that situation. And that is it mm, in a yeah. nutshell. That's awesome. Yeah, Thank you. thanks. Yeah, and I, and I had that, that epitome, that moment of thinking, People want to meditate just so they can be un- like, oh, I only meditate in the cave. Or he's like, you meditate when you're just when you're just walking. Like, yeah. how about you, when you're walking, just walk. Take six breaths in when you take six steps. Six breaths out when you and sleep. leave your phone at home. Yeah, leave your phone. You know, at home. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I don't mean to Go cut ahead. you no, off. Please. There, this breaks my heart every time I see it, and I probably see it every day. People walking their dogs <laughs> like this. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what are you if, doing? <laughs> if that's the only the only chance you have all day to be with, connect and be with your dog, like just mm. leave the phone at home, man. Yeah. You know, like the dog, all the dog wants is for you to be there with him or mm. her. You know, and like in, I think training and interacting with your dog is becoming more cool. Where like 50 years ago, like, oh, yeah, the dog just sits in the backyard. I throw him a bone and that's mm. kind of it, you know, and that's how it was. But now it's like, and lucky for me, I got into the industry at the right time where it's like, Timing. Well, it's, yeah, Again. good timing. Boom, straight in there, right? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I think it's becoming more cool, more appropriate, more actually of a responsible thing. No, you should be training your dog. And it kind of makes sense. Like people don't train their own body. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You don't, it's the only place you got to live and you're not working mm. it out. All right. We may do some destructive things to our body, but the least you can do is whatever you're doing destructive, whether you're in stress or you're, you know, abusing certain whatever it is. Get your body moving, number yeah. one. Make sure you're sweating at least once or twice um, a week. Sorry, every second day probably. Yeah. You know, get yourself sweating, get yourself into your body. And you know what? After you want free drugs, go for an exercise and get runners high and then release all the endorphins in your body and you're, awesome. you're feeling great, you know. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and same with our dogs. So, you know, making sure that we're giving them the, the best opportunity to live the best life. You know, um, I think now we're starting to become more compassionate generally as as the society starts to develop. You know, as much as there's a lot of concerning things that are happening, I think we're becoming more more aware as well. And we have opportunity to share our message where the only time we could have done this was in a radio station with yeah. like a 10 minute plug. We with love, with you know? gatekeepers yeah. saying, oh, we don't like you or this isn't right yeah, or that. It's like and- now with power to the people, we're mm. putting our message out there yeah. and hopefully inspiring people to, Hope so. to think about some things that we've talked about, you know, and, um, and, and yeah, and have the courage to do things that are scary, you know, have the courage, be brave enough to do something you're not good at, basically, yeah. you know, get out there and look like an idiot. The courage to fail, maybe, you exactly. know, yeah, or to do something, make a mistake. Well, Les Brown says, you know, you fail your way to success, Yeah, you know, and, um, and it's something I just shared yesterday on our page was, um, the best revenge is massive success. Yeah. I think Frank, Frank Sinatra said that, right? Yeah. Um, and it makes sense, right? You know, it's, you know, it's. We instead of putting other people down, or if your dog's reactive, or if you're feeling like like shit, then then do something about it rather than blaming somebody. Like that just does nothing. <laughs> Makes you feel good for half a second. I love that. <laughs> but yeah, yeah do that. something about it. Yeah. One last thing I want to just talk about with you, yeah. Panos, is and I've 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 always follow you on Instagram, so I've seen this a lot. But um, I want to talk about the importance of giving back because I know now, even though know, you're running a full time business, mm-hmm. you've got a 
heavily pregnant wife, I know that at least once a week you're still volunteering down at the, mm. the dog shelters. Yeah. You want to tell us about that? Um, yeah, look, I think, well, Southern Shire Council Animal Shelter is where I'm volunteering, so I try to get there every Thursday. And um, they're an awesome team, really, really awesome team, and they helped me so much. When you um, were starting out, you mean? Just when, Yeah, when I first started the business, I, I thought I wanted to help them out, you know, help them train the volunteers, train some of the harder dogs. Um, they recommend me a lot, which yeah. is good. So then I get more clientele and then I obviously help them give them back. And I think, you know. But I'm going to make a point here. Please. You didn't do it for that outcome. No, you no, did it out of the no good way, of your heart no and that's the difference. Yeah, I did it because I, first of all, I needed to keep up with, with good momentum, but also building good, like networking and, 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 um, being resourceful, but also, yeah, like, you know, the dog need, need somebody. So, um, and the volunteers, you know, they give their goodness, but they haven't got the best expertise and experience. So I'm trying to like, so my main goal there, and it's always a little bit harder, is to get them to be consistent, whether it's staff and, and also the volunteers, because they're mainly walking and, and handling the dogs. So, you know, getting, and we've been doing more of the, you know, volunteer days where we're trying to work on it, but there's some dogs that just are too strong for some of the, the, um, the volunteers that walk or they're a little bit more aggressive. So I think giving back is important. I think trying to encourage it as well. You know, we are a community. We have to help each other. And, you know, they, the dogs have got the only thing they've got is the staff and the volunteer and then the people that are potentially going to take them on. So mm. getting there once a week gives me that. Yeah. You know, I think being, being of service and giving back to the community while the community gives back to us. Like, we are the community. The community isn't separate to us, so we should be helping them out. And since I'm the guy that works with dogs and that's one way that I could do it, if I didn't do it through dogs, then I'd probably do it some other way, whether yeah. it's helping their kids or whether it's at the soup kitchen or or whatever. Even if you don't want to volunteer at the shelter, hey, man, help your neighbour or yeah. Yeah. clean your street or something. Or yes. I don't know. Do something and do it because not because you're going to get a favour out of it. Do it because you just know that it feels good to do it. That's so true. I used to feel quite um, upset and angry because I love to walk on the beach a lot and, you know, the old take three for the sea. And I was taking it, this was a while ago, but I was feeling anxious, well, not anxious, but angry about it. You know, why do the people leave the beach in this state? And that's the truth, mm. but now I do it because I want to do it mm. and I just want to clean up the beach. Yeah. And, like, and it's so much better. It does. Like, you know, going to the shelter, so I was there yesterday and I could only spend 40 minutes yesterday because I was in between everywhere. Yeah. I thought I'll Zoom there. One of the um, the young aspiring dog trainers was there and I kind of hooked him up to be there. His name's Nick. And I thought um, he's doing something with the dog and he's trying his best. Hey, man try this and work on that and focus on yeah, this. Yeah, I saw and, that on your story. Yeah, yeah cool, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, give him a couple of hands. And he was excited about it and he's like, oh, tag me in that, you know. And yeah. So it's e- encouraging him and yeah. he's only 19 and he's trying out. And, you know, that's how I was when I first started. I had no idea what I was doing. I'm doing my best. You're his teacher. Um, yeah. yeah, so I'm mentoring. His and, messenger. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and my – um. so one of the boys at the Canine Paradigm, his name is Glenn, so he was my mentor and my teacher and – Nick was learning from him, and then Glenn says, well, you're in the South, contact Panos, and he'll mm-hmm. mentor you. Mm-hmm. So we're all working together, and yeah. if we don't have that sense of community and, and networking, then we don't stick together and stay strong, then we're all doing things independently. But the truth is that we're communal beings. We, we're we talking about tribe. Well, that's yeah. de- tribe. You want to develop a tribe, man, so start doing it, right? Yeah, yeah I think it's really important. And, um, and if we don't put that effort in, then time wastes away, you know? Like I'm already – a decade has gone like that. I'm like, my God, that's intense. You know what I mean? Um, and like, I know I'm not old, but you know, I feel like, um, 
well, I'm one day older than I was yesterday, and time's going to go like that. And who knows how long I'm going to live for? I'm mm. planning to live to 120. Okay, <laughs> that's my plan. I think you could. All yeah. right, <laughs> um, but um, but if I was to die tomorrow, well, then you know, I'd, I'd die with no regrets, and that's how I like to live. And that's one thing that, that it's a legacy, wins. isn't it? You know, yeah. you've you've made a, a big change in a lot of people's lives, a lot of dogs' lives, you know, your the shelter, yeah. and your own life, and well, the, the Lakota word is hokahea, which is today's a good day to die. And not that, like, I'd, I want to die today, no. but if I was to die today, well, then so be it. And, and I've given it my best shot. And, and oh. I try to give it my best shot, even do. if I don't feel great to do it, I'll do it. Because, um, you know, and, and that's something that, that I've, I've witnessed, I've seen firsthand. And, yeah, I aspire to it. And I hope that it inspires others as well. And you've got one of the best days in your life coming up. Very soon, Pat. I'm very excited. Enjoy. Well, life's going to change. Actually, this is cool to have this conversation now because we'll see how we go in the yeah, next couple we'll of years. Yeah, we'll get you back. My <laughs> perception will probably be different, right? Just, and I know you will, just enjoy savor and savour mm. every moment of yeah. that. It's an incredible place yeah, to be. Yeah, very excited. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming today. Um, so, it's nutrispooches.com.au. That's right. Nutrispooches yeah. on Instagram. And Facebook. Yes. And YouTube as well, if you guys want to check out oh, the videos. Oh, yeah. yes, so, um, our listeners. Perfect. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. So, um, yeah, all you got to do is just type in Nutrispooches. If you're on the website, it directs you to all yeah, of awesome. those things as well. And, um, yeah. Thanks for coming, man. Thanks Thank for having me. Thank you so much. Appreciate Thank it. You. That was great. It was fantastic. Yeah, awesome. What did you think of that, Spades? That was so good. That was cool. Thank you for listening to another show of Life With Your Dog. Please like, rate and share if you're enjoying our podcast. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube. For all dog training videos, tips and techniques, visit nutrispooches.com.au. Thank you and stay tuned for next time.